Good morning, world, and welcome to a new episode of the IP Breakfast with attorneys Albert Decady and Emmanuel Coffey. We'll start with our standard disclaimer that um, the opinion expressed in this uh, episode is uh, the opinion of Albert Decady and uh, Emmanuel Coffey and um, does not engage the, uh, the employers. We also do not provide uh, legal advice in this program. Uh, the information that you hear uh, in this program is for your information. And uh, if you choose to follow it, you should consult with your own attorney. Um, we want to bid uh, welcome to our counsel, uh, Mr. Coffey. Good morning, counsel. How are you this morning? Counsel, I'm doing well. Uh, I started the day on a very good note. I did a three-mile walk today. I'm pretty proud of that uh, after my doctor basically told me that I need to uh, up my uh, game in that that area uh, due to a little bit of high cholesterol. So I'm working on that. Um, But uh, very happy that uh, this morning that I've I've started with my... uh, routine of uh, doing some exercise that's great it's, it's a lot more than i can say for myself uh, i have to get you there counsel i have to start waking you up in the morning and and take that uh, take that walk with me then <laughs> all right we welcome everyone from around the world from where, wherever you may be listening to us this morning this is the last saturday of july oh wow it's uh time goes fast as we have fun in the ip breakfast uh, filling your your brain with uh, good information regarding intellectual property. So today we'll continue our conversation on trademark. Uh, if you have not uh, listened to the last episode, we had a guest, Assemblyman uh, Clive Vanell from New York, uh, who's also known as the trademark uh, trademark guy, uh, was with us. So go back and listen to that session. We talk about uh, the Redskins and some uh, uh, current event. Um, and, and name changes and, and trademark and try to uh, tie this information with what's actually going on in the, in, in the world. Uh, but today we wanted to go back and um, ask uh, Council Coffee to go back uh, for somebody who has an idea and wants to uh, start a business and, and uh, decided on the name um, and what they should do to secure that name uh, as a trademark and then we'll go to the process of examination that process and then what happened afterwards so council coffee uh, take us there from idea to um, to application okay uh, thanks uh, we the last time we we uh, we're gonna be very brief but because again like you said they should go back to the last episode and and, uh, and hear the details but quickly you should uh, once you decide on a name then you should do a a quick search and we went over and we said that uh, a name uh, should not be descriptive it should be suggestive or even better it should be fancy a made-up name we went through all of that and then but once you have that name then you should do a quick search. They refer to it as a knockoff, and you can do that at the pants office. And there are also vendors out there specialized in that area. They can do a more extensive, comprehensive search for you. 
before you uh, you submit your mark to the patents office uh, uh, for uh, uh, for uh, registration. Now, and, and maybe we should, in passing, why should you do all that uh, before you even submit your mark to the patents office? Because a mark is very really valuable, uh, and you've you've uh, uh, if it's been in, used in commerce, you. Advertised it; it's known out there, and so you want to make sure by the time you go to the patent office, you have a good idea that w- whether your mark will be uh, accepted by the patent office or not. Yes, and but in uh, you know the process also, you have to have a budget for the process, and um, you know you're going to put money out there, and uh, you want to be you want to do some due diligence and making sure that um, you know you're not just throwing money. Um, out there, so you want to do your due diligence, and, um, and we're not saying that by doing a, a quick search or even a professional search guarantees that you get the trademark. Uh, but at least you would have a good, uh, you would have an information in your hand as you decide whether you should put that money out or not. Is that kind of, is that a good uh, fair assessment? That's a very good uh, assessment of how to uh, approach this. So, um, so the person now has the name and they decide to go and then they apply. Now, um, can you guide us a little bit on the process of of, uh, of of applying? And when you have that that name that you that you that word or that word and the logo and the combination that you may have that you're trying to trademark. Um, does that give you a broad uh, by just applying for one application mm-hmm. does that give you a broad cover or do you have to uh, decide on which category which areas that it will cover okay uh, uh, we also and the reason why it's, it's important uh, before we get into that is because as we said before, you can use your mark. You don't need to register the mark before you use it, uh, because in fact, if if the mark is not used in commerce, you have to file under what's called an intent to use, uh, meaning that it's not be, it's not used. Uh, and so, maybe you've been using your mark in commerce for the longest, uh, and you now want to register the mark. Uh, with the patent office, and so you you would want you 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 submit your application, including a specimen, meaning that uh, the mark itself and where it's used in commerce, where for what type of product or what type of service, what area, and then you would describe your service or your product. There is an option where where you can choose the the, 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 the class that you, you, you believe the description of your mark falls into because it's really international. Uh, the class is, is international wherever you go. Uh, it's the same class. Or you can allow the pants office to choose it for you. So, and now that, that class, you can only have, uh, you can have as many classes as you want associated with or service, but for each class you pay uh, a fee uh, to the uh, to the pants office for each class that you believe your product or your or your service falls falls into. So uh, then you then then you you would receive uh, 
an office action from the examiner and the, the trademark examiner uh, th- that will decide whether they agree with you or if they have if they find any issues with your mark so let's let's take uh, each scenario uh, by themselves so let's say they find uh, an issue with your application um, so you said you will receive an office action um, I, I I think you uh, the office action it will ex- will ex- explain all the dif- deficiencies in the application correct correct right that's all right that's a good word deficiencies in the application one of which could be for example if your mark uses a common word uh, that the, the examiner will request that you disclaim that word because they cannot give you a um, a monopoly of the word you can the word the, the disclaimer Uh, would say that the word is only used in 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 association with your mark anybody else can use that same word and which is the reason why it's 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 important that your mark is not just descriptive and and that's why you you suggested that they create fancy marks which is which is coin coin words that uh, you made up yourself and then associated with a particular uh, service or or, or or product correct correct that's correct the last time i think you brought up the the xerox example but we're not going into that they can listen to the episode where we detailed uh the right. so now um so uh, i guess in in the office action um, you know the the the, uh, the trademark attorney or trademark examiner uh explains the rejection and sometime i guess the you, you realize that oops you know i did not know this name was already uh uh registered and um the 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 examiner makes such a compelling case that the exact the, the applicant can decide to say you know what let me just change the name let me let me apply for another trademark in that case they would uh abandon their application correct in which case uh, they would abandon the application uh, because the, the uh, one of the uh, reasons or one of the most common reason is is also the likelihood of confusion that they find another mark out there that looks uh, either looks like yours or is the same market space then you, you you'd have to to decide if you want to continue with this mark uh, or, or not Okay so in the case that the applicant does not choose to abandon uh what can they do? Well then they can they can address the issues uh, raised in the office action uh and then we submit uh, and then reply to the office action So we by replying you mean that uh, they would they would create uh, a rebuttal uh explanation on their side why they think they should get the uh the the, the patent uh, the The, the trademark. Uh, in that case, um, the attorneys, or if they're doing it themselves, would be able to craft an argument, hopefully, to surmount or overcome the uh, the rejection. That's correct. They would surmount or overcome the rejection, uh, looking at, at the different factors associated with likelihood of confusion. Uh, So if they let's say now they they respond and they they hope the argument is uh, is enough to overcome the rejection and it doesn't what happened 
Um, uh, the hope, and if it doesn't overcome the rejection, yes, then the examiner would uh, would uh, would issue a final rejection and final refusal and say, well, uh, this is my uh, my last opportunity, my last communication to you. I'm I'm refusing the mark. I'm not convinced. I, you haven't made a, a good a good enough argument uh, uh, for me to change my mind. So now that the office action is is final, I'm gonna follow that path with you, and then I'm gonna come back uh, to ask you about if they they were able to overcome the rejection. So now they are, they, they are final. Um, what is the recourse? Does that mean that I have to just drop my application, or are there recourse? Well, no, the, the, it doesn't mean. Again, you may it may also be a business decision. Uh, if you want to sink more money, because then you may have to uh, appeal your your the rejection. You don't have to agree with the examiner. Uh, then you can, and if you don't, and you know, and you believe you you, you are on solid ground, uh, then you should appeal uh, to the, the trial uh, tr- trademark trial and appeal board. Ah, okay. So now, so now that it's at the board, the board will make a determination whether the applicant is correct based on. Uh, the, the 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 file the the file uh, wrapper the, the case itself all the evidence in the case or the examiner is correct based on based on that evidence uh, what happened if if uh, if the board says uh, the applicant is correct then it, it would return it it would remand it back to the examiner uh, for further proceeding consistent with the uh, the conclusion or the decision of the board which would mean at that point that the case may be allowed may, may be allowed but we're going to go back to that to that step let's go with the case where where you're not successful at the at trial uh, and trademark and appeal board what what happened there if you're not successful what can applicant do uh then the, again this is where we we say it could be costly then you may have to appeal to the uh CFC the uh the uh the court of appeals for for that federal federal circuit the, federal. Right. the court of the appeals okay. for the federal circuit and and i guess we can continue that that same logic what if uh, happen what happen if they if they agree with the applicant at that level it would be remanded if it, if it if if they disagree then i guess the the applicant also could still take that case all the way to the supreme court but uh, we'll leave it as that so we can come back to the come back on earth a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yes sir yeah so uh let's look at the scenario where applicant uh applicant sent their response and they did uh, they did uh, uh overcome the applicant uh, the, the the examiner's rejection and uh what happened in that case a good point now one of the one of the uh one of the ways i should say that you can uh you can convincingly rebut an examiner is to conduct a market study if if for example the examiner is saying well your 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 your, your mark is uh is, is is confusing with another mark well then you can decide and and, and say and and, and and have a market study that's expensive because and and, and you can show that this is based on actual an actual uh, 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 evidence that uh, that the po- the consumers are not confused. 
Okay. So, so, so let's say you successfully do that and applicant, the examiner, uh, accept your, your arguments and, uh, what do they do at that point? Well, then at that point you would get a notice, uh, uh, that okay, uh, your, your, we will now send your uh, your case will be uh, will be for, will be sent uh, will be published for opposition. What is the opposition? Well, and how long does that last? Uh, for a period of about thirty days, uh, it's published in in the Gazette, uh, which is the government. Uh, uh, newspaper, if you want to call it that way. Uh, for 30 days, the public, anyone out there with an interest, with an interest uh, in, in, in the mark can file an opposition, meaning, uh, let's say they have a mark that they, they've been using uh, and maybe they haven't registered it at the, at the, at the parents office, but they've, they've got a common law registration or what, what, whatever it may be. And uh, it may also be nowadays, although uh, the, uh, the, the Supreme Court did away with that. It could be uh, scandalous or it could be on, on some of these basis, someone can file an opposition to say that your mark should not be issued. Yes, for the scandalous mark, the last week we discussed, we discussed that in, in depth. So you may want to go back one episode to, to hear more about um, the court decision, uh, the slant case. Where the Supreme Court kind of said the the, Len, the Lenin Act was too broad and thus unconstitutional under the First Amendment. Um, so, um, so it's it, it, it stays in opposition. Your case so thirty days pass by, nobody challenges the case. Your 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 mark. What happened? Counsel? Okay, then your uh, your mark uh, is uh, then you get a certificate. Your your mark is allowed. Wow. So congratulations. You have a trademark. It's registered with the Patent and Trademark Office. It's published in the Gazette. It's it's telling the world, or at least in, uh, you know, we're not, we didn't go internationally here. We're talking about the U.S. laws. So in that case, it published and tells the world that this mark is being used by a company. So there's a concept of... Um, you know your mark uh, is 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 your mark even after that it's 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 uh, allowed. Can you can it be contested? Can, can someone contest it? Yeah, well, yeah, good point. Uh, your uh, because one of the things that you also need to do with your mark is to make sure now now your mark is allowed. You have a mark. Uh, you have to uh, police your mark. It's it's on you to police the mark meaning that you have to make sure no no one out there is uh, is using your mark uh, in, a, in a way that that is uh, that is disadvantage just to your to to your mark and also uh, you have to pay to renew the mark every five years I believe you, you need to pay a fee to get the mark renewed and after five years your mark becomes incontestable. Yes. So after the five years, the word becomes uh, incontestable. What does that uh, that term means? That terms mean uh, it's a very and, and it's a very difficult for someone to now want to cancel your mark, uh, unless they, they can prove that uh, I believe it was uh, uh, you you obtained it fraudulently. Uh, in yes, yes. So. 
so um so if you did not have an issue with the, the mark then um, and the mark is now been five years it's been published and uh it's become a very strong starting to really gain uh it's 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 its roots are growing and um and and it's become a more solid mark uh now we talked about uh whether you know when you first uh decided to do this trademark that you choose one class and at this point so my 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 trademark is 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 still five years but it, it was in one class can I actually stop someone from using it in another class so take say you know the case uh, i think there's case out there in mcdonald um using mcdonald to to open a hotel uh, mark um could could that stop me since um let's assume that uh mcdonald is in the food mark i'm just assuming that here because i don't i don't have all the the uh categories that they are registered for and then i want to open a mac hotel uh saying hey you know it's a simple hotel where you come and sleep and so on and so forth could i do that well uh <laughs> it's a very uh, loaded or it's very complex because it's yes and no uh yes in the sense that uh mcdonald for example like in this case that you cited was was able to to stop a hotel from having the name because the dilution because of dilution normally uh if you are operating in a in a market space then the same name someone else can have the same name in a different market space where where the consumers are not likely to be confused uh to that's confuse great, the different that's space that's a great concept that you mentioned here council is that trademark has to do with um you know uh whether uh to protect the 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 consumer is is to uh to uh, uh the marks signals to them that they are getting the source of uh, the, the source of goods and 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 whatever goodwill is associated with them and and when somebody is using the mark uh, fraudulently then um then then you could get the mark uh, you could p- potentially think that you're getting it from a source and you are not uh, and you're not right for example if if you're buying a, a caddy like you you expect uh, a Cadillac a uh, certain quality uh, uh, a certain uh, life uh, associated with the Cadillac versus a Mercedes or BMW for that matter yes so um so have you so even so when your mark gets to be 5 years it is become uncontestable it's group is growing roots um you can even you can even uh stop somebody in another area such as the case we just mentioned but you know it, you have to be able to your mark has to become uh so strong that you show that um using that mark in another category would dilute your mark and and, and those are this would be case by case basis correct right i would be on a case by case basis because you also have to have the wherewithal to really uh because it can be expensive uh to uh when it comes to uh, uh trademark uh litigation right yeah litigation is always expensive um so now that you have um you have this mark and uh this property uh what do you have to do to make sure that your mark um grows as you know in in value and also uh in terms of policing that mark uh, what what uh, would you say that a trademark owner has to do oh 
Okay, a trademark owner, I guess in the normal course of doing business, you're going to want uh, to become, uh, uh, you, you want uh, a larger segment of the population uh, to know you day after day, month after month. And so uh, you would, in, you would uh, pay uh, for advertising to, to get uh, uh, Promote the, mark. The, the, the mark to become known. Uh, and so uh, at, in the same vein, you also need to ensure, like we've just mentioned, that no one is using your mark uh, without your permission. And, and the way so and the do- way they would do that is by looking at the Gazette and making sure that I guess um, nobody else is is trying to protect the, the same name and 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 participate in opposition. If they should participate in opposition to stop somebody from using the name, and also be vigilant, in looking at uh, who's using the mark uh, uh, on the outside uh, in commerce that could uh, come uh, that would uh, end up having some kind of conflict and i guess you would you would always you would on, always start with a conversation right maybe a cease and desist letter and start the conversation with the with uh, the the potential infringer um and see if you can resolve that issue before you go to litigation what do you, do you think that's a good uh, concept yes yeah that's a very good concept uh, we should also say the reason why it's important to is because if after a number of years someone has been using your mark and you don't say anything, you never send them a cease and desist letter, uh, then 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 it's just like a waiver. You've waived your rights. Yes. So um, so council, we talk about this and we talk about having a budget and 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 a couple of times you mentioned that this could be an expensive uh, process to go. Why, why is this all worth it to actually go through the whole process and spend uh, this money? Wow, that's a good because uh, because it's uh, it's very valuable. In fact, a trademark can, in, in certain uh, instances, be a lot more valuable than a patent. We spoke about patents, I think, at the first two or three episodes. But as as as, as a bundle of rights, which you you always mention, uh, the bundle uh, or. or uh, would include maybe patent, trademark, copyright, trade secret, and all those IP rights. But a trademark is very, very valuable. Can be very, very valuable. And uh, I, I, I believe we uh, they said now in to, uh, 2020, uh, an intangible property uh, may very well be 80 percent of the property of, of a corporation because we are living in the information age wow so um so um there are companies that go out of business for example i want to ma- i want to mention radio shack uh which was a brand uh, a brand that a lot of people in electronics knew in the past but they filed for bankruptcy and in fact, i don't know if they have any any stores anymore um at all um you know talking about the value of of that ip um you're right counsel that uh, their ip when they were selling that company at the end of the day closing their doors their ip was worth 26.2 million dollars wow okay yeah um so that so it's very valuable so even uh, you know and, and and i think that was more money um, I think the, the complete uh, recovery 
was $48, $40 million in sale of certain intangible assets. So that's also some other stuff that are not considered IP. Out of the 40, uh, 40 million, 26 million was, was, uh, was uh, uh, intellectual property interest. And that's wow. US, Canada, wow. and Asia, and Europe. So you're right, like, you know, if you're looking at the percentage there, I don't think it's quite 80%. But um, there were some other soft uh, intangibles that also was part of that of that that could have been customer list. That's not uh, an IP, but it's it's also uh, an asset. Um, so let let's look at another number that uh, to to um, uh, put some emphasis on numbers for for our audience here is the brand Coca Cola that we did mention in our in the last episode. Um, you know that brand. Is probably worth more money than, than than all the tangible assets that Coca-Cola owns. That's the factories, that's the properties, and so on and so forth. The IP alone, the brand Coca-Cola in 2006 was worth 4.1, uh, 41.4.4 uh, billion dollars. That grew to 2019 to 80.8. 83 billion dollars that's a twofold in less than uh, uh, in, in less than 15 years or 40 you you, you mean billions with b with a, right? b, with a with, b with a b with a b so okay. the, the the word coca-cola is worth a lot a lot of money uh and that's to give people uh, a sense of the, the the value of intellectual property uh quickly council we did not talk about uh what they can do with these assets once they gain them. Uh, we talk about uh, can they can they license? Can they sell? Can you go to that very quickly and when we close? Okay. Well, well, they can certainly license it. Then, uh, for example, it can be also a part of a franchise for McDonald's. For example, when you own a McDonald's uh, or, or the company does not own every McDonald's, certain other individuals or. or parties can purchase McDonald's and that comes with the mark with everything else so it certainly yes can be licensed it's only too bad the time is up we don't have no more time to go into that yeah and we can also say that uh, companies usually don't use one trademark they have a bunch of trademark like Coke uh, McDonald's as you mentioned is uh, you know McDonald's is a mark they have uh, uh, Mac uh, all the Mac uh, uh, the Big Macs and 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 all these other marks that they have to protect the, the whole company. So it's always a bundle of right. But council, it's always fun uh, when we're talking about IP over breakfast. Uh, today, I was, I was also drinking my coffee. Uh, so I didn't just have Emmanuel coffee on the call, but I was also drinking coffee. So... Uh, <laughs> So was I. I was also drinking my coffee. Yeah, so uh, maybe one day we'll have some sponsors and we'll see which coffees that we're drinking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but for now, uh, let's say goodbye until next week. Uh, this is Albert Decady. You can reach me on Twitter at A-D-E-C-A-D-Y uh, at Twitter A-D-E-C-A-D-Y And you can reach me at Coffee Law, C O F F Y L A W L L C. Uh, until next week, uh, be well. Bye bye now.